is a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Good evening. This is Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show and to tonight's First Five. I swear, I promise, I'm not going to discuss with you the entire uh all the things I could say about the Comey hearings this past week. I do want to hit on two things, though, that I think really did not get enough attention in the media and um, and maybe some others that um, I think we need to be talking about more and more. But the basic thing I want to hit on related to Comey's testimony is this. Donald Trump had tweeted out in response in this connection, this whole fuss with the um, FBI and the Russian investigation tweeted out three times. He's tweeted out. Three times, Director Comey told me that I am not the subject of investigation, a criminal investigation. And he was mocked and ridiculed, and people were just, you know, saying, doubting his integrity. So Comey testified this week, and he said, yes, Donald, he and three, recounted three different occasions, Donald Trump was not the subject of a criminal investigation. So that on a very, very big issue, Trump has been vindicated. The second thing I want to mention was... You know, in that, so I mean, that's a huge thing because if you step back and think about it, the entire purpose of this investigation, beside were the Russians somehow getting in the middle of America's elections and whether they were or weren't, that's the question. But the reason for all the political tumult was, was President Trump or his team in the middle of it? So Comey's saying, I told Trump over and over, you are not. And point number two, and I have five points. Point number two is this. In his testimony, former FBI Director Comey, admitted that he had not only told Trump that he was not the subject of investigation, he also said he had told, I've now counted the number of people he told, he told the entire congressional leadership the exact same thing. Trump is not the subject of a criminal investigation related to Russia. He told Paul Ryan, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, Devin Nunes, Adam Schiff, Richard Burr, Dianne Feinstein, and Mark Warner. On top of that, Comey said in his testimony this week that he had actually not talked to or given um, uh, he actually had given information to the entire intelligence committees, all the intelligence committees in, in Congress, in the Senate, which amounts to 33 people. So the reason I raise this is if you ask the average Joe on the street what is the reason that Trump is being investigated? What's the reason for the FBI investigation? Everyone would say, well, because somehow Trump was in the middle. He colluded with the Russians. He did something bad. The air of suspicion has been allowed to be created around Trump in this whole Russia thing, when actually not only did Comey acknowledge from early on Trump is not the subject of a criminal investigation, but he told many people in Congress, many members of his own party were well aware that he was not the subject of a criminal investigation, but they let it sit out there. They're letting Donald Trump swing in the wind, let him hang in the wind. And so uh, several of those people, I mean, I could read the whole list of 33, but then I will run out of time. I'm either first my first five, and I want to point this out. When Comey said, well, we're still investigating, we're still looking at it, he ref- was refusing to close the investigation. He was refusing to do, as he did for Hillary Clinton, well, we looked into it, you know, an email wasn't really good, brought it to a close very early. Director Comey, for whatever reason he had, is permitting this to hang out there in the, well, we're still looking arena, maybe we'll find something. Well, do you realize if he does that, or if any investigator does that, 
refuses to say we looked into it and we found that you were not guilty or you were not, we don't have a basis to accuse you of anything wrong. You could have any person hanging out there under a cloud of suspicion, this whole whispers of impeachment thing going on and on and on, and never say, okay, we're done investigating. At some point, it's not that complicated. It may be that they need to figure out exactly how the Russians hacked in, what they could have done to prevent that, how we can protect our, our – do better with cybersecurity. But the notion that Trump was somehow colluding with the Russians has been a nothing burger, to use Hillary's word, for months. But Comey lets it sit out there. And the other conclu- big important point that came out of the hearings this week well, with Comey testifying was that there was absolutely no obstruction Contra, in fact, several of the liberal networks had to back off and, and change their story because Comey said very clearly Donald Trump did not attempt to impede the investigation, the Russian investigation, did not attempt to do that. So, therefore, he did not obstruct that investigation at all. Another big point CNN had to drop. And, you know, the only potential arguable, and it's not even close to arguable, was whether when Trump said to Comey in the White House, you know, I hope you can see your way clear to drop the matter involving Lieutenant Colonel um, Michael Flynn. You know what? (laughs) Hoping, as many legal scholars keep pointing out, is not obstruction. It's just an expression of support and saying, hey, we hope you let it go. So, and the other big thing that came out of this hearing this week, and I say all this because, you know, if you look at the left-wing media, you would think that the entire hearing, you know, vindicated um, Comey and made Trump out to be a criminal and listened to the right-wing media— And you might think the opposite, but truth matters. And these things I'm telling you are actual facts. They are not disputable. In other words, Comey admitted he's a leaker. He said, I leaked and and acknowledged he gave his own records away. Whether that was criminal or not, it was certainly problematic. And, you know, I'm going to get around to after we come back from the break, because you're about out of time here, that I think that some people are now talking about maybe the the reason that Donald Trump chose to terminate um, uh, FBI Director Comey was because he wouldn't just drop this investigation. Well, I don't know if that was really a reason, but if it was, it'd be fine with me. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. America Can We Talk. Don't go away. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, 
to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. This is Debbie Georgiatis. I'm so glad you've tuned in. My right few roundtable this morning, or this evening rather, joining me tonight. I'm so glad they're both here. I have Penna Dexter and Wade Miller. And I want to just give a moment because I think this, Penna was on my show one time, I think a couple of years ago, I think it was. So just, uh, Penna and I see each other often when we both uh, serve on the roundtable at Point of View Radio, which is a Kirby Anderson's uh, show. And uh, we were just together actually Friday. And we'll actually be getting together tomorrow doing Kirby's show. But I want to give you just a moment, Penna, to tell our listeners about your radio life. You just, you've been very active in radio. I have. I've actually been doing radio for about 20 years. And all of those years, part of that has been Point of View uh, broadcast. Uh, it's a syndicated program that uh, really tackles current events from a Christian worldview. And, uh, you know, we do apologetics and family issues, but mostly the news. And I love doing it. And uh Kirby's been, uh, I used to work there full-time, work, uh, do a two-hour broadcast every single day live across the country, and now I just do it with Debbie and uh, a few other times a week, and I just feel like, uh, Debbie, it's just such a great privilege to be able to share sort of the, uh, 
the point of view or the uh, the insights that God has given us on these issues. And I think the more voices out there doing that, the better. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. I'm glad you said that. And so Wade Miller, whom I know you all know, but he's been uh, a very political activist. He is associated with the Heritage Foundation, the Heritage, actually the Heritage Action Group. And um, he's the one I bragged many times. If I call him like at 4.30 in the afternoon, the day of the show, I say, what is the status? Where is this bill? What? He always knows the answer. He's great at explaining complex uh, political things. And he's also ex-military. And actually, tell, tell him what you did in the military. Let's do that. Uh, infantry, infantry squad leader. And you signed up right after 9-11. Correct. Went I in love about that. a year after that. I just love that. I, I love that just call to defend my country feel. Love that. So I love having you on. Okay, so I did my first five on um, what my outtake of the Comey um, testimony was before the Senate Intelligence Select Intelligence Committee. One thing I didn't get to say, and I want to add, there was a great article, and actually all of our articles are now up ahead of time at org, and one of them that I just wanted, I thought was a great title even, was called Conspiracy of Silence Kept the Russia Collusion Story Alive. And again, if you ask the average person on the street, you know, what do you think this investigation is about? It, they Well, something, Trump did something wrong with Russia, something, I don't know what it is, but, and it, this failure of people. Now, I, I suppose if you ask people in the House Intelligence Committee and the Senate committees, they, and they did get that briefing, and they'd known for months that there was absolutely never any investigation of President Trump in the, related to the Russian matter in, in a criminal way, um, those people would all say, well, I, I was given that briefing in confidence. You know, I, I can't just go out there and tell the public the next day. But at some point, there's a need for people to recognize the bigger picture of what's happening and do something like speak up. You guys, what do you think about that? Well, well I absolutely agree. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of amazing if you look at everything that was leaking. A lot of it was <laughs> that wasn't even true. And, in fact, the New York Times and CNN had to backtrack on several stories, which ended up just being completely fake news. Uh, but at a certain point, with the sheer amount of misinformation that was being put out there, certainly at certain levels, conversations needed to be had that maybe we should publicly make such statements. And these should have been things that the Intel Committee could have said that, hey, you know, they're making claims that are false. These are that's creating a hysteria behind the president. Let's declassify this and just publicly say that the president is not under investigation. They didn't do that. And there's a lot of other things that could have been done. A lot of things that were leaked out of all the things that were leaked. The fact that Trump wasn't under investigation wasn't leaked by anyone except for Trump, who is declaring that he's not under investigation. Exactly right. And, you know, I will say this. We're going to get to Penn in one second. But when you look at 2016 and what a change election it was, the issues that Donald Trump ran on were to use his word, huge. I mean, he really was going to try to build the wall, drastically change refugee policy, change immigration policy, bring jobs back to America, you know, secure the border and do and really pull America back from its globalist tendencies and back to a protection. These are big, big, big issues. And so for the first six months, I guess we're not quite at six months, but close to six months of his presidency, he's been engulfed in what has turned out to be a hoax. This is not accidental. This is not, wow, I wonder how that happened. This is a lot of people in Washington, not just the Democrats, but even people in his own party who don't like his big agenda, who don't want to have to deal with repealing Obamacare. This is people saying, let's just let this eat away our time and nothing that he wants will happen. Am I being too sinister? No, that's exactly exactly the case. Uh, Listen, there are people not only in the Democrat Party and on the left, but Republicans 
they cannot believe this man was ever elected. <laughs> it's a big shock to them. And, you know, many of them have not really even accepted it yet. And so, you know, this is a tool they've used. They have, you know, nobody's going to say anything or try to clarify the issue that Trump is not under investigation. No one on the left certainly would do that because it works to their advantage to stop his agenda. They will do anything, any tool that is in their toolbox. They don't have much because there's so much of the country that is so sick of what's going on. And Congress has such a terrible approval rating. So they're going to use this. My question now is, now that the Comey hearings have happened, and you know, as, as you said, Debbie, most Americans couldn't even tell you what they were about. They finally got some news out there that perhaps some people are digging into it a little more. But um, I wonder now if there will be some, a stability factor that will come now to Washington for perhaps the Congress and Trump to work on some of these issues simply because it's out there now. I mean, there's no doubt. Everybody knows that Donald Trump is not under investigation for collusion with with Russia. I mean, you know, can we hope for that? Well, I hope is a good word. Hope is good. I will tell you, I, right Trump after Trump used it, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I, I recall that. Yeah, I hope you, I hope you see very clear to not investigate Michael Flynn. Well, you know, um, any further, there was a comment right after the hearing. I think it was Richard Burr who had said, you know, well, we got a lot of work left, a lot of digging. I think was needed in Washington. I think there's a fire under the feet needed for elected Republicans in the House and Senate to hear from their voters and say, stop humoring the. Democrat media mob agenda. This is what you have in front of us. So the Democrat media mob, I love that expression. That's what I call it my show. It's the Democrats love this. The media will play along. It's a mob mentality. They're going to attack. Stop humoring it. Start holding hearings on the issues. We're going to talk later about what the issues that Trump should be focusing on. But it's going to, to my two cents, depending on what you're saying, is I don't think that is going to happen, that change, without a little bit of push against Republicans from the people. I don't Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so starting here. Well, you know, we're that's why you exist, Debbie, because you <laughs> want to inform people, help them understand the few things we should be focusing on. There's only a few things. They complicate it with all all of this out extraneous and in fact, yeah, in fact, the Democrats tried to say when they when Trump had his first Supreme Court nominee, well, we can't have this confirmation hearing until we find out what happened with Russia. This is going to be the mantra as long as they can get away with it. It is Nancy Pelosi. It'll be every leading Democrat on both sides of the both sides of the House and Senate in Washington saying, well, we still got to clear up this Russia stuff. And I don't. And, and if you don't get I mean, I'm glad that um, Comey's gone. I think they need a new uh, the new uh, FBI director hopefully be confirmed fairly soon. And someone who just say, you know, we're not we're not going to just chase windmills around anymore. We're done with this. We're going to look at real stuff. What they should be looking at. Talk about Russia interference. There's never got the light of day under the this uh, FBI was whether or not there was any wrongdoing by Hillary Clinton, her pay for play secretary of state. Somehow Russia ends up Russia, who's been the ends up with 20 percent of the uranium assets of America and 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 Bill Clinton gets whatever it was, $600,000 for a speech. And all of that was kind of all OK. If you're going to have a special prosecutor or FBI focus on Russia and America, it ought to be on that. I love that. Well, I, I think more simply, I think that the lesson learned here, and we can maybe skip a whole bunch of these investigations, is don't hand over your password to your servers, which <laughs> is what uh, John Podesta did. Yeah. And, and that's what started all this, because they don't know how to uh, manage their own uh, computer systems. And ultimately, none of us are responsible for what Russia does, let alone Donald Trump, in that circumstance. So, you know, you don't want these kind of problems. You don't want this type of meddling. 
don't hand over all your emails to Russia like John Podesta did. Absolutely. And on that subject and with respect to the FBI's jobs, there is going to be for all time, now that we all in the world have computers, a need for clear, ever-improving, ever-studying cybersecurity procedures, recognizing what's the latest trick somebody else has, how are we going to respond to that. This is really, you're exactly right, Way This is what led to where we are. And ultimately, there's nothing we can do to stop this. The BBC, Der Spiegel, Pravda, uh, uh, Telegraph, these are all news outlets that are always going to be meddling in our elections and providing their opinions. And, you know, remember Obama went to Israel and was meddling in elections at the end of the day, was Russia in the election booth casting my vote for me? No. So I really just don't care, you know, what they, what they did and didn't do as long as if the, what they did that was illegal, which is hacking, is dealt with. Outside of that, you know, and, and you know, address the hacking issue uh, and, and slap the Democrats on the wrist who allowed the, themselves to be uh, taken advantage of like that. Amen to Wade Miller. And we're off on a break here. Coming back after a break, we have Dr. Kelly Ward on. She's a great friend of the show. She's a U.S. Senate candidate from the state of Arizona running against, and I won't say it when she's on the air, running against the aptly named Senator Jeff Flake. Okay, come back after the break. We'll talk to Kelly Ward. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country. 
based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to America. Can we talk? I'm sorry, we're fussing with our cameras in the studio. So sorry about that. Welcome back to America. Can we talk? And as I mentioned before our break, I have a fabulous guest, a actually a repeat guest on our show, Dr. Kelly Ward, who is running for U.S. Senate from the state of Arizona. Hello, Dr. Ward. Hey, Debbie. It's great to talk to you. Glad to be here. So glad you are. And honestly, you're just, you're, I will tell our listeners, Dr. Ward, as I mentioned before the break, she's running in the GOP primary, actually, in Arizona. And uh, I remember last time when you ran against uh, John McCain, that primary is uh, very late. Is it in August again next year? It is. It's in at, right at the end of August. And uh, so we've got a lot of time to, to, uh, to build up name ID and campaign cash and resources that we need to be able to win. But yes, we go through everyone else's primaries almost until the very end. And then Arizona has our primary. I kind of like that because it really gives uh, your voters there a long time to keep on thinking about it and, and, and to challenge an incumbent uh, like Jeff Flake is, I uh, guess, you know, who's got, I mean, not as great name recognition, I guess, as John McCain, but he's been there for actually, how long has he been in office? Is he, is this his first term in Senate? No. It's his first term in the Senate, yes, but he was in the House for six terms. Actually, he, he made a term limit promise whenever he initially got into the House of Representatives and said he would only stay for three terms. And then he decided he loved it so much in Washington that he was going to get out. And he was asked by reporters, you know, so, you know uh, Congressman Flake, you said that you were going to you know, leave after three terms. And his answer was pretty smug. He smirked and said, I lied. Okay. Stayed right there. So stayed right there. Okay. Well, 
you know, Kelly, um, first of all, I, I love that you're running. I do want to hear a lot about what your campaign is doing. But I also want to tell you that we have a new thing we started on our, our show where we have people can call in ahead of time and leave recorded questions. And um, and so when I did my promo this week, I mentioned you're going to be in and left the number. I actually got some calls I would love to play. And uh, I believe Greg, my my board operator extraordinaire, has these ready. Um, the first one was about uh, just about Obamacare. But I don't know if you're able to get to that one. Debbie, this is Sandy Ammons, and I love your program, Love, Love, Love. You are a rock star and really um, have helped keep me so informed. I do have a question for Dr. Kelly Ward, and I was really disappointed when she ran and came up short against John McCain when it was the 2016 primary. And I would like to know what kind of facts or data or polling information or what that makes Dr. Wood feel more confident going against Jeff like this time. What kind of data gives that gives her that boost and that confidence to go forward and to run against him this time? I'd love to know that. And thanks again for your show, Debbie. Bye. Okay, so Dr. Ward, I I, uh, I think we didn't play the question we meant to, but that's a good question <laughs> that's too. Okay. But uh, so actually, I I think that I'd love to hear how you're how you're sizing up your race so far statistically. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Okay, whenever I started in on my endeavor to run against John McCain, my name identification in Arizona was less than 1% in, in the entire state. And so that was a huge challenge because John McCain has nearly 100% name recognition, not just in Arizona, not just in the United States, but around the world. And so it, that was a, a huge obstacle was increasing that name ID. But now I'm up around 85% name identification. In wow. Arizona. I'm starting from a much, much stronger point in terms of people knowing who I am. And, you know, John McCain threw a lot of negativity my way. He attacked me on many things in, in very untruthful manners. You know, said I was not for the military. My husband's been in the military for 33 years said that, uh, that I didn't want law enforcement to do their job simply because I support the Fourth Amendment. Many, many misleading things. However, in the, in the post-election analysis, we found that no matter what negativity he threw my, my way, none of that has really stuck to me. They weren't able to, to tarnish me and, and tarnish my character, my reputation, and the things that I've done over um, the, the time that I was in the Arizona State Senate. And so that's very good as well because people have a very positive outlook about me. And so, you know, we're starting from a very strong place. The last poll that was done actually shows that I'm up seven points on Senator Flake. And so those things all bode very, very well. People are really sick and tired of the establishment. They're sick and tired of the people who have been in Washington for year after year after year and not getting anything done. And so, you know, I think 2016 was a learning year for me, but it was also a time for the forgotten man and woman to take the beach when we elected Donald Trump. And now we've got to storm the beach and take the, take the hill in 2018. You know, I know that uh, Jeff Flake was, was pretty popular as a congressman, and then he took mm-hmm. John Kyle's Senate seat, still very popular, and things aren't quite the same for him. But what specifically about him, what he's done in office as senator, makes mm-hmm. you see him as vulnerable? 
You know, he he ran when he ran in 2012 for the Senate for the first time. He ran as a full spectrum conservative, social and and fiscal conservative. He was supported by groups like Senate Conservative Fund and the Club for Growth. And um, he was sold to all of us, to voters, as this person who was going to go in there. And he was going to be similar to Ted Cruz or Mike Lee or Rand Paul. And he has been a complete and utter disappointment. Not only has he not joined with those, uh, the senators that I consider the strongest, those three, he's actually actively fought against them on issue after issue after issue. Things that he's done specifically. He voted for TPP. That is, you know, that's bad for America. It's bad for American jobs. And he still voted right for it. The most egregious is that as soon as he got into the Senate, he joined the Gang of Eight, the amnesty bill, and pushed for – he's an open borders amnesty senator. I call him the sanctuary senator. (laughs) Now, some people call him the spineless senator. I call him the sanctuary senator because he is definitely not opposed to sanctuary cities, not opposed to uh, welcoming people into our country who have broken our laws. He is uh, he's definitely not on the side of the Americans or put America first. And then last but not least, Debbie, I want to mention, because right now we've got a lot of problems with judges, judicial activism, things that are happening in, in the judicial side of, of um, the government. And so if you look at two judges or two Two lawyers, I'll say, in particular. Loretta Lynch. (laughs) Loretta Lynch is in the news again because of all of the Comey hearings. Jeff Flake was one of very few Republicans who voted for Loretta Lynch and who voted for her in committee, along with Lindsey Graham, who gave us Loretta Lynch, which I think is appalling. But even maybe worse, he also was one of, of, of either two or three Republicans in the entire Senate that voted to confirm Judge Oreck. He's the judge that's on the bench in California who, number one, prevented the travel, immigration travel order that the president's executive order, he he put a stop to that. And if that weren't bad enough, he also has stopped the Center for Medical Progress, the group that has infiltrated Planned Parenthood in guerrilla-style journalism and exposed what Planned Parenthood is really all about abortion, and he has prevented those videos from being released. And if it weren't for people like Jeff Flake and and his, you know, moderate, squishy compatriots, we wouldn't have had either of those people in the position of power that have, have now caused problems for the American citizens and for conservatives who value life. Wow. Okay. You know, we are, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Ward. She's a candidate for U.S. Senate from Arizona, challenging incumbent Senator Jeff Flake um, in a primary, which is actually over a year away. It's August of next year. We have only a minute and a half here, but I, one thing you said really surprised me, Kelly. You were talking about the uh, Senator Flake taking a position that was kind of weak on the border. I honestly listed so many things I couldn't write fast enough, but kind of weak on the border. Has yeah. he come out against the wall? And, and, and if he has, where does Arizona stand on that? Yes, he's, he is definitely against the wall. He uh, has said that there's no appetite for building a wall, as well as no appetite for repealing Obamacare, by the way, in, in the United States Senate. And the people of Arizona, especially the conservative Republican people of Arizona and the people who have immigrated to our country legally, they want that border secure. They want our, our state sovereignty. They want our national sovereignty. And they want American citizens to be safe. And the only way we do that is by securing that border and stopping the the assault, the the invasion of illegal immigration into our country that's affecting everything from health care to education to public safety to to 
corrections to our very American culture. So um, I think that's going to be one of the biggest, biggest obstacles Jeff Blake faces because we are on completely opposite sides regarding border security. Just got to love that. You know, uh, Kelly, we are headed up to a break here. I appreciate I think you're willing to hang on for four minutes. We'll come back after the break. We're talking to Dr. Kelly Ward, candidate for U.S. Senate. Don't go away. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out CenterForSecurityPolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's CenterForSecurityPolicy.org. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in healthcare, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition in the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's Think Tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. This is Debbie Georgiatis. I'm joined by Second My Roundtable tonight with by Penn and Dexter and Wade Miller. Love having them here. And we have online still Dr. Kelly Ward, who is a candidate for U.S. Senate and um, just a fireball conservative and fun to talk to. Kelly, I mentioned to you we have these uh, calling questions. And I have another one I want to play. Um, and some, I'd love to message a question for you relating to Obamacare. Hello, Debbie. This is Paul from Dallas, Texas. Just really enjoy your show. Wanted to give you a call. Wanted to see if you could uh, ask Debbie, had a question for her, of what her view of the right approach to deal with Obamacare is. So if you could ask Kelly what her view of the right approach to deal with Obamacare is, that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much, Debbie, and have a great night. Okay, so Obamacare, one of the biggies. Where are you in all this mess in Washington, Obamacare? You know, well, first I want to tell you that I think Sandy and Paul are great, that they called in. They are exactly right. You have an amazing show, and you do amazing work informing the country. So I want to make sure to get that out there. Uh, And I think it's a great idea to have people call in early because they can't always call in during the time of the show. So that's wonderful. I thank you for giving people that access. Now, in terms of Obamacare, you know I'm a family physician. I have been in the the belly of the beast having to deal with government intrusion into my practice and into the the care that I'm able to give to my patients. So I've been opposed to Obamacare from the beginning. It's actually the reason why I ran for office for the first time when I went into the Arizona State Senate was to do everything I could to stop that monstrosity because it is. It's an assault on health care liberty and health care freedom in our country. Now, the Republicans have been promising us for almost a decade, you know, for about seven, eight years, telling us that if we just had the House and the Senate and the White House, we would be able to fully repeal Obamacare. In 2015, they passed a bill to fully repeal Obamacare. But now suddenly, when we have the power to be able to do just that, they've given us this AHA or ACHA, whatever they're, they're calling it, the American Health Care Act. I guess AHCA, and it really is not a full repeal of Obamacare. It really is Obamacare light, and it, it's disappointing to me. But whenever the Freedom Caucus says that's the best that we can do, because there are some good things in it, I tend to believe them, even though I'm I'm disappointed that that's the way things have gone. I was proud of our congressman from Arizona, one of the few that voted against it, Andy Biggs, because he ran on a platform of full repeal, and he knew. And he was unwilling to lie to his voters and vote for something that was not what he promised he was going to deliver. Now it's over on the Senate side, and we're hearing people like Senator Jeff Blake say, 
that there isn't an appetite for full repeal of Obamacare. My response to that is, well, Senator, it's your job to make those other senators hungry for that Mm -hmm. full repeal. Uh, And I I worry that it's going to get even worse after it comes out of the Senate because there are so many squishy middle people in the in the Senate that uh, either we're going to get nothing or it's going to be worse than what we started with. Yeah, you know, uh, that's so true. The longer you let it go, though, the the worse it's going to get, because anytime you give something to people, uh, you Mm -hmm. provide something by the government. And I think the big section of Obamacare that has been so addicting to people is the pre-existing condition uh, Mm -hmm part of it. And that's what they've been fighting over. In the House, they had to come up with something kind of difficult to understand with with waivers. Convoluted. Yes. Yes. And in the Senate, I mean, it's probably going to be even harder. But the longer we allow this thing to sit out there and people are uh, just used to having the government basically subsidize and pay for their health care, then the harder is going to be to repeal. And we may even, Dr. Ward, be at a point where uh, and maybe the senators are debating this now, whether, you know, some sort of a compromise where there mm-hmm. is some of Obamacare left. I, I, I know that's horrible to even right. say and think when you're a conservative, but I know that the senators are speaking and, and uh, you even hear the word compromise coming out of Ted Cruz's mouth. So right. what about well, that? I mean, you do. You have to make compromises, but you also have to think about what are your core principles. Now, everybody knows that you can't have insurance that that occurs after the problem starts. I mean, just imagine if we allowed people to buy homeowners insurance after their house burned down, or they could buy car insurance after they rolled their rolled their car over and totaled it. It just doesn't work, and it doesn't work in healthcare either. That's why my solution is to have health savings accounts where people are able to get tax credits and and get uh, you know have our tax deductions benefits to putting money in to take care of themselves, along with a major medical prob- uh, policy that would cover true emergencies such as car accidents or cancer or even pregnancy that doesn't happen a lot but costs a lot of money to cover. So if people, if we could get the government out of the way and we could allow the free market to work without government interference and, uh, you know, that, that middleman of the government, I think that the free market would allow prices to go down and people to get the actual care that they want, need, and deserve rather than settling for what the government is willing to give them. I love those thoughts, Kelly. You know, it is, I, but to echo Penna's point, it's just part of, I think, the job of elected leaders in this country is not just to, I mean, they have to make campaign speeches, but what we're, we're talking about a little bit is we need to have leaders able to speak, as you do, in an articulate way to argue to the American people, you know, please understand this is not a healthy path to go down, that you continue to expect more and more care from the government. I mean, you're, you need to lead among the senators in, in Washington, and you need to lead in your speeches to the American people to, to help them see the bigger picture of what happens if everyone relies on the government for health care, that it becomes something like, like the British have, like you're going to have to, some way or another, you're going to have to parse it out, and some people aren't going to get it and some people are i mean i I just i love that you're a doctor and can be a voice like that well i I thank you debbie and you know it's funny because you hear people talking about especially people on the left the progressive the bernie sanders people the hillary the hillary clinton people who say i would have died had it not been for obamacare now um, at, at that point maybe they were able to get insurance however if we get completely socialized medicine there will be 
rationing. It will be extreme, and all of those people are not going to get care. They're either going to be waitlisted or told that they can't have it at all. Why do you think people from Canada and from all over the world who live in places that have socialized medicine travel to this great United States to get treatment for cancer, for, for heart disease, for, uh, you know, uh, rare illnesses that are not being taken care of in their country. Because up to this point, we've allowed the free market to work so that they could come. But if we ruin what we have, we, we have the potential to ruin health care for not only America, but the entire world. Absolutely. Uh, and we're speaking, if you just tuned in, Dr. Kelly Ward running for U.S. Senate from Arizona. I do want to change subjects entirely. We have just uh, like four minutes left in this segment, but I want to ask about, so the U.S. Senate would be the one that does big deal things like deals with treaties. And I wonder if you had any, rea- and I really am changing the subject here, but if you were a senator, we, ha- we have the Iranian deal, which is you know, never put through the Senate, never given the, uh, the um, respect it deserved in order of having the, to have the members of the Senate review it and follow the constitutional procedure and see if they could get it passed there. So do you have a reaction to what the Iranian deal is, a, a position on it? And if Tr- President Trump decided that that's one way he was going to try to work is to put the Iranian deal through the Senate, what do you think about it? You know, I think there are many places where the Senate, the existing Senate right now, fell down on their job because they allowed Barack Obama to use semantics to get around their constitutional requirements to approve treaties. The Iranian deal is one. TPP is another. And the Paris Accord is the last. And so um, those were all deals that were done in an unconstitutional manner that uh, President Obama was able to push through. And none of our senators were strong enough to say no. We are not going to do it. I think all of those deals, if if he even tried to make them, then the Senate should have said, we are going to take this up as a treaty, and we are going to determine whether or not we're going to pass it and whether or not we are going to fund it. I think the Iranian deal in particular is one of the worst things that we have done as a country uh, in uh, maybe ever, because it is very dangerous to not only uh, our biggest ally, Israel, but to the entire world, to give a uh, a regime that is uh, so uh, far out, the access to nuclear weapons is appalling. It's an appalling thought. As we are, we, you know, Obama weakened the United States, and he was allowing one of the biggest enemies of the world to strengthen their nuclear capabilities. So that that was uh, just completely and totally uncalled for. So I hope that President Trump takes that in hand and that the Senate stands up and has a backbone and does their constitutional duty whenever these things come forward in the future. I love that. In fact, I saw a list. Someone was writing, people writing lists about what President Trump should focus on now instead of letting the news cycle just go on and on and on with Comey, Russia, collusion, blah, blah, but just take charge. One of them that people were suggesting is, why doesn't President Trump just go ahead and put the Iranian deal to the Senate? I cannot tell you how much I love that idea. Because, yeah, it belonged there, and the debate, I mean, obviously, President Obama didn't send it to the Senate because he knew he couldn't get it approved. And it would be a fabulous signal, not just to, uh, it would be a signal of strength on the on part of President Trump. It would be a signal to the world that we're not yes. going to, yeah, so you're agreeing with me. <laughs> I do. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I'm very disappointed that people like John McCain, who said he's the most important man on the Republican side in foreign policy in Washington, D.C., that when Barack Obama did what he did, he did not stand up strongly and denounce it and refuse to participate. Whenever those 
pallets full of money were being dropped into Iran. There wasn't a word from any of our senators, really. I mean, they, they were they were relatively silent as that was happening, as we were delivering hundreds of billions of dollars into the hands of uh, terrorists and terrorist harborers in that part of the world. Absolutely. Okay. And my other completely unrelated question again, but you are just, I know your last campaign, a fireball, you go all over the state, you have all sorts of rallies and you go to all sorts of community events. What are the top issues people tell you when they talk to you about running for Senate? What are they worried about? Border security and stopping illegal immigration. It's very, it's imperative, not only in Arizona, but around the world, stimulating our economy and make sure that it grows so that we have great jobs for American citizens. Uh, Repealing Obamacare is still at the top of their list. Fixing the VA. <laughs> Fixing the VA is also still uh, really at top of the mind for people on the campaign trail. Those are the things that I hear day in and day out, along with term limits. They are tired of people who have been in Washington for way too long. They're tired of the insiders, and they're tired of people who aren't supporting President Trump and the initiatives he put forth on the campaign trail and the people in our party who are trying to obstruct him. Love it. Kelly Ward, tell our listeners, please, where to go if they want to support you or learn more about your campaign. Very good. KellyWard.com, K-E-L-L-I-W-A-R-D.com. You can do everything there. You can sign up to get emails, not just for you, but for you to forward. You can sign up to get, join our Twitter, our Instagram, and our Facebook, of course, and have some really great interactions, not only with me, but also people who support or don't support me. And there is a donate button. So, of course, anybody who wants to click that, it would be amazing because Jeff Blake has the establishment money behind him trying to maintain the status quo. I think many of your listeners are trying to say that the status quo has got to go and they can help me by doing it. Chip in the cost of a a morning coffee or a donut. Love it, Kelly. We're out of time. Thank you so very much. Love, love, love talking to you folks. Come back after our break.